This is the Fake News Pod. Thank you for joining us. Josh, what do you have for us today? All right, I got uh, two topics, Trump's legislative agenda and Puerto Rico voting to become a state. All right, sweet. And I have uh, the NFL, NHL finals in week one of college football. Hit the music. legislative agenda. Um, I'm going to go through his three major things that he's trying to get done in year one. Um, so the big one is obviously the repeal of Obamacare health care reform. Um, what's going on with that right now? So McConnell has assembled a team of senators and they're working on writing the bill in the Senate. It's a brand new bill that they're not working off of what the House sent them. Um, so the word is right now that he's implemented a new rule to fast track the bill so there won't be committee hearings on it and it will go straight to a vote once they've finished writing it. Um, it looks like they're saying that they're going to try to get a vote in before their July 4th recess. That's via the hill.com. Conley, what do you think about that? Um, I think it's interesting. Why do you think they're <clears throat> changing that rule? Why do you think he wants it like that? Well, um... I think everyone's pissed that nothing's happening. I mean, it's been almost five months now, and they haven't had one major bill going through. Um, yeah. I think it's dangerous because they're writing the bill in secret. Like, normally you're supposed to have committee hearings, and everyone gets to talk about the bill. Everyone has their discussions. Yeah. We don't know what they're trying to write right now and see what it's going to be. They did the same thing in the House, you know, the first time. It failed. They did the same thing the second time, but everyone worked on it, so they were able to get the votes. Um they said when the CBO was going to score it too, the people who tell you if it's going to be budget neutral or not, whatever, mm-hmm. they said McConnell might do it only hours after the CBO score comes out because it might yeah. look bad on the Republicans. So they said he's going to really try and just punch this thing through right when they get it done. Um, so it's looking interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't really like this tactic, though, because it's the same kind of thing Obama did to pass Obamacare. Yeah, um... I agree with that, because yeah, cause everybody complained when Obama did it, and if we're going to complain when Obama does it, we got to complain when um, the Republicans and Trump do it, too. So yeah, so it's probably it's a little bit sketchy there. Hopefully um, they find a good bill. Hopefully one of the senators uh, can be as transparent as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If it's not a conservative bill, then we're screwed. But at the same time, that Susan Collins lady from Maine said she wouldn't vote on it if it didn't push uh, Planned Parenthood funding in. So right there you lose a vote. Um, Rand Paul said he's not voting on it if it's Obamacare light, so right there you lose a vote. So the margins of error are so small for this vote. Um, they have a 52 majority if they pass, or they have a 50, they have 52 votes in the Senate, and they can bring in Pence, Mike Pence, the uh, vice president, they can bring him in to vote because he's technically the um, 
president of the Senate as a tiebreaker if they need to. So they have a super slim majority for this vote. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get it done because they just have so many differences of opinion in there. And McConnell making it so only, like, I think it's 13 senators can work on it and then bring it out at the last minute. None of them are going to get to read it. None of them in the House read the bill when they passed it too. Yeah. And people in the House later on came out and said, oh, this is actually bad for my people. I shouldn't have voted for it. Or um, I actually kind of like this bill now. I think I should have voted for it. Um, yeah. It's just a really bad process way of doing it. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes. But I guess that's his plan. Yeah, the ideal scenario is obviously they draft a bill that everybody can, everybody wants. and Or just everyone sees. Yeah, well, at least all the people in your party want and can see and yeah. can vote yes. Just everybody in the party votes yes and you pass it that way. But mm-hmm. this is a uh, interesting way to do it. Probably not the, the best way, but we'll see if they get it done. I mean, if they can get one done that repeals the majority of Obamacare, then I'll take it, but... I have my doubts on that. Alright, so the next big legislative push that Trump is trying to do, right behind health care, that... So the way they're passing these bills is they're using reconciliation. And what that means is they have to make each bill um, not add to the deficit over 10 years. So they can do that. And if they do that, if the bill makes it so it doesn't add to the deficit over 10 years, then they can pass it with 51 votes in the Senate so the Democrats can't filibuster it. So... If they pass the health care reform, what they'll do in that is take out the taxes Obamacare put in, and then they can do the tax cuts, real tax cuts, that don't run out after a certain amount of years like Bush's tax cuts did. Um, so the negotiations for these tax cuts of Trump that we explained way back in the podcast was uh, thrown away in the House. Um, they're talking about how to write them up. Mainly, they're waiting to see if the Senate can pass the health care because it all hinges on the saved money in the health care reform to pass it using reconciliation. So they're kind of just, I mean, they're talking about it, but they're waiting because if they move ahead and then it dies, it doesn't matter what they do, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you can't you can't add to the deficit, so you have to cut the spending with the health care bill, and then you can cut the taxes with the tax. Oh, yeah, sorry, cut the spending. Yeah. 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 So they cut the, I think it's $800 billion out of Obama's expansion of Medicaid over 10 years, and that way they can cut the taxes, which levels that out. Yeah over the budget. Yeah, so um, the tax cuts are huge. The tax cuts, if they do that, that'll stimulate the economy. Every time taxes have been cut over the history of our nation, the tax rates mainly, Reagan, George W. Bush, and um, JFK, every time that's happened, the economy has boomed afterwards. So those are huge. Every time you cut taxes, especially for businesses, it really makes it so economic activity spurs. Um, I mean, I think the tax cuts are great, but the fact that it all hinges on health care really pisses me off. Uh, I don't know how health care is going to work out. You want to get any more comments on that? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so it's really hard for the for anybody to pass anything right now because it's 51 and 49, right? 51 Republicans and 49 Democrats in the Senate. Oh, 52. 52? Yeah, I think but we sti- said 51 way back when, but it's 50, yeah. it 52. But it's still um, <clears throat> super close, so close that it's like really hardly a majority. You know, you lose one person, flips the other side, two people flip to their side. Well, they can do, year. they can have Pence come in and vote if it's a tiebreaker, yeah. if it's okay, tied. So they can lose two, but if they lose, like, a, you know, three senators from the Republican side don't like a bill, it's not going to pass. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's tough to get anything through right now. Yeah, and the big thing with that then is Trump has been tweeting about killing the filibuster. And what that means is Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, he could vote today and have his people vote today and say, we're going to change the Senate rules so there's no more filibuster so the Democrats can't stop a vote and pretty much make it so 
everything in the Senate is voted majority. So if you have 51 votes, you can pass anything you want. And that's what Trump's saying to do to push his agenda through. Yeah. Now, the counter-argument to that would be, when the Democrats get in, they can pass anything with 51 votes. But when the Democrats get power, I think they're going to do it anyway. I mean, I really think this is the first time Republicans have had all three houses since God knows when. I mean, this is the most power they've had since the 20s, 1920s. So, I mean, I think they should do it. Because trying to work all this stuff with the reconciliation rule, look at what's happening. They, they passed a bill out of the House that was awful. Republicans hate the health care bill. Nobody yeah. likes it. And then they get to the Senate, they're writing a whole new bill. No one knows if it's going to be more liberal or more conservative. And when they get it out there for a vote, if it dies, it dies. And if you die, you die. Then what happens? You know what I mean? Yeah, back to square one. Then can you even pass the tax cuts that you want without reconciliation? Yeah. No. You, you can't do it because then you don't get the savings from the health care bill. So do you, do you then kill the filibuster? I mean, it's just... I mean, this whole thing could fall apart so quick. It's unbelievable. And they still haven't done anything. Like, to date, they haven't passed one big law. It's it's pathetic. Yeah. Um, you got any more comments on the tax cuts? Um, no. But, yeah, the only thing they've been able to vote on and pass right so far is Gorsuch. And that was... Yeah, Gorsuch yeah. Is, the one, is the one big policy, which was good. Really good. Yeah. Um, they've been doing a lot of stuff with regulations, to cut regulations with Congress, which is good. Um, that's another thing we're going to get to. But the next big thing is the wall. Um, no news. Last we heard, they were taking bids on the wall. Um, and that's where it was left at. Uh, the budget that they passed allocated no money to the wall from Congress. Added no money to um, DHS for a wall. So that's sad. Um, yeah, the wall is one thing, though. It's uh, Obviously, it's a ton cheaper than like healthcare. So it's... Uh Something that can probably get done rather quickly if it needs to be done. It can be something that kind of gets tagged onto it a bill. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, and if Trump really wanted to, he could tell his DHS secretary, uh, Kelly, the general, he could tell him to allocate money for a wall in his budget. Yeah, I don't know And they know could start it. building it that way. So yeah. he doesn't have to get... Because Congress already voted back in 2006 to build a wall. Yeah, so he has the authority. He just doesn't have the money. Yeah, so if he wanted to, he could just have the guy cut up his budget and start building it that way. Yeah. So, he could do it, it's just, I guess, they're taking bids on it still, and there hasn't really yeah, been a lot of news about it. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the news on the wall. Uh, the big plus that Trump has done on his legislative agenda so far has been cutting regulations. This is the one good part about his agenda that's actually gotten done so far. Um, so, he started by signing an executive order in his first week that said for every new regulation added, you got to cut two, which is just uh, truly historic. Um, since then... He's been hacking and slashing at the red tape. So he's issued, Trump has issued 1,063 rules. So when I say that, it sounds bad. It sounds like he's adding 1,063 regulations. Well, in Washington, to kill a regulation, you have to add a regulation pretty much saying this one's dead. Yeah. So during the same time period, Obama had issued 1,139 regulations. So Trump has almost killed all of Obama's regulations in the same time period. So Trump's pretty much signing as many regulations to kill Obama's as Obama was adding. Um, the American Action Forum, it's a conservative think tank that charts uh, federal policy and rules. They've called Trump's regulatory freeze, quote, historic. They said they haven't seen anything like this since Reagan in comparable terms to um, regulation policy. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, definitely making it, makes it easier for businesses, especially small businesses, to... Um, operate and uh, like be able to turn a profit, and hire new employees, grow and whatnot. Yeah, so that's a that's the one big part of Trump's legis I guess you could call it legislative agenda. He can do a lot of it on his own, but Congress has to pass stuff too to help it work. 
Um, so that's the one big thing that he has been able to promise on and come through on. But like I said, the rest of it hinges all on the health care bill at the moment for the plan. Um, and they don't want to change the Senate rules. Trump does, but the Congress doesn't. So if they don't want to do that, if the health care bill fails, whatever they bring out of the Senate for the health care bill, if that vote fails, Trump's whole agenda is put on hold for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, one thing that amazes me is... Because I've heard uh, a lot of uh, congressmen and like senators get asked about this. Is like, why didn't they have it ready as soon as Trump became president? Like they, for one, he got elected in November, and then you know they <laughs> he gets he that? becomes president in late January, and even before that, there was years of when Obama was president, and we had a thought that you know we might have a Republican president. <laughs> you make me mad. Republicans have been running on repealing Obamacare for six years. When Obama got into office to pass his bill. The, the Affordable Care Act. They brought that bill out and it was 30,000 pages. They can't write 30,000 pages of a bill in the time that Obama got elected into office. They had that bill on a desk somewhere for 30 years just waiting to, you know, yeah. some little think tank wrote it and they just had it waiting until they got the power to pass it. No one knew what the hell was in that bill. They just passed it. Now, yes, why didn't the Republicans do that with Trump to repeal it? No. Republicans lied. They didn't want to repeal Obamacare. They like big government just like the rest of them do. There's only, there's not that many conservatives in government. I mean, the House Freedom Caucus and maybe five or six senators, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, um, Tom Cotton, that there's ben, like... Ben Sassy or whatever? Ben Sass. Ben Sassy. Ben Sass. Yeah. It's felt weird, don't Yeah, Sass. So there's like, uh, I don't know how many people are in the Freedom Caucus, but there's like, there's a block of them in the House and there's like maybe seven or eight of them in the Senate who are true conservatives who actually repeal Obamacare. John McCain. John McCain <laughs> for sure. No, but if they wanted to, if they not really actually wanted, John McCain people. No, not John actually. McCain is John McCain's a Democrat. So if they really wanted to, they could pass a bill today, and they could start a bill today in the House that has one sentence: "Say we hereby repeal the Affordable Care Act, and we put everything back to how it was before Obamacare in the health care market, and then pass bills piecemeal, one at a time, saying we now can compete across state lines, we now can buy a catastrophic insurance. That's how they could fix the health care market. It'd be so simple. Instead, of what they're yeah. doing." Is trying to do it all at once in a big, you know, omnibus thing. That's just wrong. Not how you should do it. And that's how they're trying to do it. Um, I think most of the Republicans never wanted to repeal Obamacare. They said they wanted to repeal it just to get votes. Yeah, and then they all... They lied. I mean, it's a it's yeah. a horrible betrayal. They said they wanted to repeal it so they can campaign with the people higher on the ticket. Um, that actually have to kind of be accountable for their uh, what they say because people really pay attention. But a lot of the lower people... People don't pay as close attention, so they just they want to do as little as possible so they don't get in the news, and they can just win by being incumbents. Well, at the same time, with the Tea Party, the whole thing was repeal Obamacare. So every douchebag who says he's a conservative, all he has to say is repeal Obamacare, and all the Tea Party people who were so rallied against Obama, yeah. they just rolled the wave of the Tea Party. They get in there, and, oh, what do you know, they're a liberal. Like Susan Collins from Maine. Every Republican agrees that we're going to repeal Planned Parenthood. She gets in there and says... I'm not voting on a health care bill that repeals Planned Parenthood. Like, what? How how do you get elected as a Republican if you're not going to repeal Planned Parenthood? That's a staple of the Republican Party. Yeah. Go change your R to a D and let me primary your ass and <laughs> get done with it. John McCain says the leadership is better under Obama. Change your R to a D and let me rate, run against you in the campaign. Jesus Christ, what the hell are you a Republican for? Why vote for Republicans if when they say they're going to repeal Obamacare and they get there, they don't repeal Obamacare? It's pathetic. They should have repealed it week one. It would be so easy. It would be so simple. But none of them have spines, and they're pathetic. And I think the same thing would have happened if Ted Cruz would have been president. I think the same thing would have happened if Marco would have been president. They could have passed a bill that was one sentence longer to repeal it. 
None of them wanted to do it because they all lied when they ran for office. Yeah. Um, and it's, a lot of this falls on the leadership for uh, not having these things ready, not getting these things done right away. Obviously, the leadership doesn't want it done tough. either. Yeah. It's okay. not that they didn't have it ready. They all lied. Yeah, the leadership. Uh, leadership. When I say leadership, that's the Paul um, Ryan, Mitch McConnell. Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell. Snakes, rhinos. Yeah. They're not. They're not getting it done for sure. And everybody thought Paul Ryan was going to come in and be like the savior for the Republican Party. Oh, he's he's. I thought so too. But look at him. He was Mitt Romney's number two, and Mitt Romney just told Trump that he should stay in the Paris Climate Accords. And then Mitt Romney just gave an interview, and he said that Hillary Clinton told him to take the Secretary of State job. What the hell is that? Mitt Romney's a Democrat, guys. <laughs> Mitt Romney and John McCain were our last two presidential nominees, and John McCain was saying Obama was a better leader than Trump, and Mitt Romney's friends with Hillary and loves the Parrot climate change deal. Yeah. It's not a good look. Those were the two big leaders of the Republican Party in the last eight years. That's not good. Great look. It's not ideal. Alright, well, Trump's legislative agenda hangs by a thread. I assume it's going to die when the health care bill comes out, and then I assume Trump's just going to go absolutely batshit crazy. Because uh, it's gonna, there's no, I don't. If the healthcare bill gets passed, it will be absolutely incredible. And then it goes to conference where the House and the Senate work together to get it, um, you know, mashed out to look good between both of their agendas. Because they have to make a bill that gets voted on again, and they both say yes to. And if they get a bill to Trump's desk, he will sign it. Whatever they put on Trump's desk, he'll sign. Yeah. Because he knows they need to pass healthcare to get his tax cuts, and that's what he wants. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see if the Senate can actually get something done for once in their miserable existence. Yep. All right. Um, moving on? Yeah, moving on. All righty, uh, moving on here to the talk a little bit about the NHL finals. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup, unfortunately. Very sad day for America. <laughs> um, they won game six Monday night in order to clinch it. Uh, so the Stanley Cup is theirs. This is the second year in a row, um, and the third time in the last, what would be, nine years. Um which is an impressive, very impressive run for Pittsburgh. Winning it twice in a row, it's very difficult, obviously, because you have the two long playoff runs in a row. Um, that's a lot of games to play. Um, it's hard on the bodies of all the players, but they're able to get it done. Uh, Crosby, this is Crosby's third cup. So, the, yeah, the three cups I talked about for Pittsburgh, um, he was there for all of them. Uh, he was one of the, this kind of cements him as one of the greatest players of all time and probably the best of the generation, which pains me to say, but I'm not going to lie to you here. It's pretty good. Um, big pussy. Very <laughs> good, though. Um, the Penguins, yeah, so they've gone back-to-back, which is really impressive, uh, winning two cups in a row, and I just saw that when the, the odds came out for next year, they're favored for next year. Now, I think that's a pretty long shot, but the leaders in the clubhouse right now, they got a very good roster. Um, they got a ton of studs in the team. <clears throat> Obviously, they've had the, they've had the same core with uh, Crosby and Malkin from when back in the, their first cup nine years ago, I think it was. Um, still with them today, um, really shows you what a uh, what a new what a kind of a core nucleus can do for you, and how long it can kind of carry your team and make you a competitor. And that kind of goes for all sports. Um, you see where they'll have, you know, they'll have a core that sticks together, and if it is able to stick together, that can uh, lead to, like, um, sustained success for a long time. You see it with the, uh, the Patriots in football, you see it with, uh, the Spurs in basketball, um, you see it, uh, in baseball, you see, you know, you've seen it a lot of times with the Yankees, you've seen it with, uh, the Boston Red Sox, they've been good for a long time, uh, so you see it across all sports, teams that, 
are able to uh, sustain success by holding on to um, one or two of their, their best players and uh, continuing to grow from there. Uh, and the, the Penguins have kind of reached that level of uh, success to kind of talk to talk about themselves like the uh, presti prestige, uh, the most prestigious organizations in each sport right now. Maybe not of all time, not but uh, like as of right now. So they're the dynasty. They're, yeah, they're kind of a dynasty right now. Um, it was the the Blackhawks for a while, for a little while there. They had th they won three cups in five years, um, but the Penguins have kind of taken the spot as the uh, the dynasty in the NHL right now. So that's sad to see. That's hmm. that's truly sad to see. Um, some other news in the uh, base in baseball. Uh, the Tigers. We're talking a little bit about Tigers here. They're thirty and thirty-two. Um, that's four pits them four games back in the division, uh, which is obviously not ideal at all. Uh, thirty and thirty-two uh, is worse than the being four games back. Four games back isn't that far for being two games under five hundred. Uh, but it's still not a good not a good record to have. Uh, hurts you in the wild card race as well. Um, as of right now, it doesn't look like uh, they'll be in position to make the playoffs at the towards the end of the year. Although that's not completely out of the picture at all. Um, but what this does mean is if they stay like this, stay on this track, um, stay below 500, um, that could put them in a position to be sellers at the trade deadline, which means they could look to trade away some of their older stars. Uh, which obviously would be very sad to see. You can see people, uh, stars like Verlander or Cabrera even, get traded away, which would be wild to see since they've both been there for such a long time. Uh, Verlander's been there his entire career. Cabrera's been here for um, over a decade, or about a decade. Uh, which is like, you know, this is people that we've kind of you know grown up watching um, play for the Tigers, and it'd be wild to see them get traded away, but it's a, it's a pretty real scenario here. Even last year, they were talking about possibility of trading uh, one of those players, um, and this year I think they'll be talking about that again. Just because when you're not, if you're not going to be in the playoffs and you're not going to be like um, contending for a title, uh, <clears throat> the smart thing to do a lot of the times is to trade away some of your older players in order to get assets back, um, whether it be younger players, trade um, draft picks, uh, stuff like that. So you're saying they're going to go into a full, like a full rebuild? Um, yeah, maybe not even a full rebuild, but just you know, trading away one of them, or, or if they trade away both, that'd be a pretty full rebuild. Yeah. Um, trade away one, not necessarily full rebuild, but definitely looking towards the future more than right now. Just because I mean, you look at Verlander and Cabrera; they're both I think 33, maybe even older, maybe 34. Players don't get better at 34. Um, they usually that's when they start their um, kind of descent. Uh, so if you trade one of those away and you're able to get a draft pick or you're able to get um, a young player that can be good for you for the next eight years, um, that's obviously would be more valuable for a team that's not contending right now. Because it's no no point of having two good players on a team that's not going to make the playoffs for the next couple of years and then have them retire. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, I hope they keep Berlander and Cabrera. They're staples of the team, staples of like the city and the sports um, in the city. Uh, loved watching them play for so long. They're two of the greats, two Hall of Famers. Um, but we'll see what happens. It'd be very sad to see them go. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it. Yeah, for sure. That would suck. Yeah, because they, would I mean, suck. yeah, watching them, I mean, it's been forever. Verlander back, they both were one um, MVPs, I think, for three years. There was a three year stretch where I think Verlander won one and then Cabrera won two back to back. Um, where the, yeah, the Tigers had the MVP three years in a row. So that was like, that was an awesome stretch. And, to see both of those guys leave would be uh, very sad.
for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, that's about all I got today. Um, not a ton happening in sports lately, but uh, we'll have I got one more topic for us today. All right, you want to go on to your last one? Oh uh, yeah, you want to move on to mine? Or no, we can do mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, I just didn't know what the order was here. All right, so the second political topic of the day is Puerto Rican statehood. Do we want it? Do we not want it? So right when you hear that um, Puerto Rico voted to become a state, you think, oh that's cool, yeah another state. Why not? Why we should. Um, so then you want to dig down some of the facts here. Uh, so for the vote, 97% of the people who voted voted yes for statehood in Puerto Rico, which is right now in American territory. Um, but, huge but here, only 23% of the people voted in the vote because opposition parties called for a boycott saying the language of the ballot was rigged. Um, so what was the language of the ballot? It said you can either vote for independence from America, you can vote to become a state, or you can remain a territory. So I don't know how that was rigged. The opposition party was yeah. were saying that the last vote either said independence or statehood, no remaining a territory. So then they added in the language to remain a territory, but the opposition party still said don't vote at all. And the people agreed with them, which is weird. So only 23% of the people voted... And the 23% voted yes, 97%. But again, only 23% of the people voted. So the 23% of the people get Maybe to... they knew they were going to split their vote between remain a territory and become independent. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. But I just think it's yeah. super weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is strange. Like, so are we just supposed to like take the them at the... elections are strange. Yeah, I mean, are we supposed to take their, their word that everyone on the in the territory now wants to become... I mean, it's an overwhelming yeah. yes for the people that voted. Yeah, it's true. It's just, it's like, it's the, it's the like politics of it. I mean, I don't know voted. what... Yeah, calling for a, a boycott's a good way to uh, ensure that just if they don't... Ensure side, that your side loses. Majority, <laughs> yeah, you can just be like, oh, well, only reason we lost is because we called for it. We, we wanted to. We were throwing it. Know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird move to make. But then again, if... Ballsy. But then again, if they called for a boycott, does that mean that they represent 80% of the population? Or does that mean that mo- like they only represent thirty yeah. percent and fifty percent wouldn't have voted anyway? I mean, I don't know how many yeah. people they represent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know how many people usually vote in uh, Puerto Rico, but yeah, it's interesting because you said what twenty percent voted? Twenty three percent voted, and it was a ninety seven percent yes for statehood. Yeah, which is weird because it's like that's not that's very that low doesn't sound like a vote. So it could sound like there was just so many people boycotting. That's the only reason they won, but it could also be. They just they were gonna win anyway. I mean, I was they weren't gonna win by ninety seven percent, but it could it could be there. So you really don't know what they would have actually voted for. Um, so I don't think we should put them in the state for that. But we'll keep. keep well, yeah, I mean, about why well, we I've, should. Yeah, but I mean, I just one more thing about that. I think we should at least have fifty percent of the people vote before we decide that. I mean, that's yeah. that's twenty percent of percent or something. Twenty three percent of the population decides that. Yeah. And then we're going to get into the brass tacks here of Puerto Rico and how their economy's doing and what side they vote and how this would affect our politics here. So we'll tell you why they should or shouldn't. Um, so Puerto Rico in May, owing $73 billion, went bankrupt. Yeah, that's... So if we had them as a state, the state would have went bankrupt, folks. $73 billion in the bankruptcy. And tiny little Puerto Rico, too. Tiny little Puerto Rico. Good luck. How's that? How's that sitting with you? Uh, that's not good. I don't don't know why we. I don't think we'd want to uh, bring in a territory with seventy three billion dollars in debt. 
You want to hear what else they got? Let's hear it. 11.5% unemployment. That's that's a little high. Yeah, a little that's, high? It's a little bit high, yeah. Just a tad bit. Um, we had to bill out their Medicaid back when we passed our spending bill. I forget how much it was, but it was some like ungodly amount. It was some. It was either millions or low billions that we sent to them to bail out their Medicaid system. So we already bailed them out quite a bit before they went into a bankruptcy yeah. back uh, three or three months ago when Trump signed the spending bill. So we also already bailed them out there too. Yeah. So uh, again, their uh, their economic situation is not good at all. It looks like they're not fiscally responsible, although America isn't either. Yeah. But the point is, we have $20 trillion in debt. Do we really need this new state that has all this bad stuff going on with their economy? Yeah. Um, another thing here, the politics, the politics of it is, the Republicans control everything right now. And if we were to bring in Puerto Rico, they're totally Democrat. So we would be giving the Democrats two more um, Senate, Senate seats and... Two more Senate votes in the Senate. So that would shift the Senate from, uh, what is it, 48, 52 to 50, 52? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it would just, it's dumb as hell. I mean, if I were a Republican, I would say no. And I wouldn't say no because of the politics. I'd say no because they're in debt and they have high unemployment and only 23% of the people voted. But if I was a Republican, I'd be thinking no because we're giving them Democratic votes in the House and the Senate. And Democratic voters for the presidential election that we don't need to give them. Yeah. Um, also, it sounds like I mean they've been in the same position as they are now with if they want to be a state or not for a long time. They've long never time. wanted to be a state before they went bankrupt. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think because when you become a state, you have taxes. You have to more taxes. You have to pay you have taxes. Yeah. And, and the they, benefit of a territory is you don't have to pay as much taxes, but you still get the American defense. So yeah. like if they were attacked, we'd still defend them, obviously. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of sitting a little pretty, as it were. Yeah, but not um, But they don't get to vote, which is the big drawback would be to that. Um, which obviously sucks for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if I was if I was in the Congress, I would say hell no to letting Puerto Rico... Also, because when we used to let states in, we would try to let two in at a time, and one would normally vote Democrat, one would normally vote Republican. But even then, they would change so quickly, because people change their minds. So, like, we would say this, like, um, we'd say one was going to vote Democrat, but then they'd switch and vote Republican five or ten years later. So, normally when we would let states in, we'd let two in at a time to keep it balanced. Because we didn't want to shift the whole political, you know, yeah. landscape just because of letting a state in. So I think if we were going to let Puerto Rico in, we might want to maybe pick up another territory first. Yeah, or... Or something. I don't know. Or, or just not let... Yeah, or just not let Puerto Rico in. I would, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, I I really don't see a big benefit here toward America, other than saying now we have fifty one states and now we are you know yeah bigger and united together and stronger and we love uh, Latinos more. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I, I really don't see like I'm not trying to be rude here to Puerto Ricans, but I really don't see a big benefit to the United States to letting in Puerto Rico and as a state. Yeah, they're already I mean, like I don't see a big. Have, yeah, I don't see benefits of them as like a like military. what so we so we could tax them. Yeah, we already take in a record amount of taxes from the American people. Yeah, yeah like what would be the huge benefit? Are they a strategic military point that we need? I mean, we already have military stuff, and we already have they're already a military point. We have. I mean, we already territory. defend them. Yeah, so that make a lot of sense. So I uh, I put my vote down as no for the Puerto Rican people just because 
my main the billions of dollars of debt. The billions of dollars of debt, and twenty three percent of the people voted for this. So if they can get over fifty percent of the people voting, then we can have a real discussion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just crazy to think that only twenty three percent voted, and they had ninety seven percent yes. Now, in most countries, that's not a real vote. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, not much of a vote. It sounds like maybe someone was at the. I'm not saying this happened, but like in some places, like people stand at the voting booth, maybe a gun or something says, "Hey, you might want to vote yes," and then. Oh, look at that. In Iran, 98% of the people voted yes for the yeah. new president. Hmm. Yeah, the boycotting the election is a very strange move, obviously. And then, it, yeah, it didn't really give a... It <clears throat> led to us not really getting a good result, a good real... Like, a real result in the election. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm... I don't know what the hell's going on over there. They're in massive debt. They just... The whole territory went bankrupt. When the hell has the state ever went bankrupt? Yeah, they know. haven't. Yeah, you know how they would look... allowed to be in... Uh, very much debt when you're a state. I mean, if you were a state and you went bankrupt somehow, you know how that would look on the USA's, like, credit? Like, for yeah. us le- getting loans for our national debt? Be bad. Yeah, it would, like... Bad. It hit our economy hard, so... Screw that. I'm... No to Puerto Rico, sorry. Fix your... Fin- Get out of debt, maybe pay off all your debt, and then come back and have a vote, and we'll talk about it. Maybe make your unemployment not 12% almost. Yeah, that's an absurd You know, people living in, you know... It sounds like they're living in squalor. Honestly, I mean, like, I've never been to Puerto Rico. I have nothing against the territory. Just stay a territory. Yeah. Just don't try to become a state. I have nothing against you now. But if you try to become a state, I will have something against you. Uh, All right, is that good for that? Yeah, that's good. We'll touch on this more if anything really comes from the vote. Um, I highly doubt Congress will ever bring it up if Republicans are in power. If Democrats take (laughs) all three branches of government sometime soon, then they're definitely going to push it through because they want the votes. Yeah. Democrats don't care about the debt. They will get the votes, <laughs> and they will say full steam ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're well aware they don't care about the debt, but... <laughs> All right, Republicans on. don't really care about the debt either, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they don't give false. a shit either, so... We're... They like to act like they do, at least, so... Yeah, they're all damn liars. <laughs> Alrighty, we're moving on here, right? It's yeah, good. we're good. Alright, we're talking about the, uh, kind of like the schedule for week one of college football. Um, it's gonna be one of the best first, week, first weeks of college football ever. Um, truly great schedule we got here. Um, teams have started scheduling tougher opponents in week one in order to build up their resume and uh, kind of prepare their teams for conference play. Also, these big games in week one can draw a lot of money for the teams, um, so I, they don't hate that. Uh, the first game here we'll talk about is uh, Michigan versus Florida. Uh, obviously, Michigan, home team here. A little excited. Yeah, they're very excited. Uh, both teams are going to be in the top 20 or the top 15. Uh, they're both very young which is kind of a, a theme here, and there's so, so there's going to be a lot of new starters. So all these week one games, a very interesting part of it is that there's a lot of new starters, a lot of guys we haven't seen play before, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do and um, how that goes. Uh, and you can also see a lot of upsets in week one because the, the favored team might have some players in positions they've never played before, uh, might be some players' first games, uh, where they start, so you know a lot of nerves going. So you never know what's going to happen in week one of college football. So it's a very interesting time. Um, so yeah, and Michigan versus Florida will be a that'll really be amplified by the fact that both teams lost so many starters last year. We'll have so many young guys starting this year. So that'll be kind of a free for all game. Nobody knows what's going to happen there. Um, moving on to the next game here, uh, Ohio State versus Indiana. Um, this is a conference game, which is really the big interesting thing here. Um, not very often will you see a conference game in week one, but you're seeing that here. Um, Ohio State could get caught here. 
just um, trying to find guys to put in the right spots because they're uh, they're relatively they're not that young, but every team's going to have a lot of new starters in week one. And going into a conference game, you know, not having a super easy game in week one could make this a little more interesting than they probably want it to be. Um, Ohio State has probably got like a 50% chance of starting the year as the number one team in the country. So uh, they'll be looking to have an easy game in week one, and Indiana might give them somewhat of a fight. So that's something to watch there. Um, next game, a uh, quick one here, uh, Wyoming versus Iowa. These are two quality teams. Um, Iowa's always decent, and Wyoming's kind of on the upswing. Not going to talk about that too much, but an interesting game nonetheless, especially for week one. Um, the next game is Texas versus Maryland. So, again, two Power 5 teams going up um, against it at uh, week one. Uh, two teams kind of on the come up, uh, young coaches. Obviously, Texas is a powerhouse. They've been a powerhouse um, in the past. Over the last few years, they haven't been that good, though. Um, Durkin's in his second year at Maryland, and uh, Tom Herman's in his first year at Texas. So interesting to see new coaches um, in new places, see what they can do. Uh, lots of questions to answer here for both coaches, both coaching staffs, um, and the whole team in general. So it's very interesting to see what those teams are going to do, um, see what uh, what kind of offenses they're going to run, what kind of different schemes they're going to run, all of that. Um, very interesting there. Uh, the next game, uh, we'll actually say this one live. Um, we'll move on here to BYU versus LSU. Um, LSU lost last year in their, uh, I think it, it might have been the opener, it might have been like one of the, it was in the one of the first like three weeks. They lost, they lost to Wisconsin last year, and they never really fully recovered from that. They ended up having to fire their coach um, midseason. Um, uh, so it's interesting to see what um, LSU will do this year, obviously knowing the, the pain that it, they suffered last year from the early season loss. Um, they're probably going to come out here and try to kill somebody week one. Um, they have a new coach and Ed Oregon. They have new coordinators and everything, so it'll be interesting to see a whole new team scheme from LSU going against BYU. BYU is usually a pretty decent team, so that'll get that'll test them. See what they're uh, see what they're made up here in week one. Um, then Georgia Tech versus Tennessee. Uh, this will be interesting just because Georgia Tech runs that triple option, which is always hard for teams to um, defend. Uh, in week one, Tennessee should be prepared for it. Uh, Tennessee will have the athlete athletic advantage. But it's all about being disciplined against the triple option. So we'll see if they're able to do that. That's something they've had a hard time with before. They've lost games that they shouldn't have lost before. Um, it's kind of Tennessee's ML right now. Um, so we'll see if they can cover that triple option. That'll definitely be a challenge for Tennessee to be able to be a disciplined team when that's kind of their biggest weakness is not being disciplined. So moving on here to the last game is uh, Florida State versus Alabama. This is an incredible game. It's going to be two teams probably in the top three. You might see these teams be two and three. Um, so that's obviously an incredible thing to see in week one. Um, I can't wait to watch these teams, these like kind of titans of the uh, college football, duke it out. Um, winner is going to take a huge step towards being in the playoffs. Um, really, whoever wins is pretty much, their conference at least is guaranteed a spot in the playoff. It's going to look great. Um, a lot of people are probably going to be saying the winner Whichever team wins is going to kind of like make their conference look like one of the best the best conference in college football, uh, which obviously there could be a lot of debate about that. But still, this is a huge game. It shows you the magnitude of this game. Um, if you see Alabama lose, you could see the SEC even get left out of the playoff because that's Alabama oh, is kind of their. That would be Christmas Day. Yeah, that would be that would be uh, interesting and that'd be good. I'd love to see that. Uh, just, yeah, because Alabama's kind of been the only. 
Only they're like one of the only teams, and maybe the only team in the top ten last year from from the SEC. Um, so obviously, if they get knocked off in week one, that'd be that'd be a huge blow to the SEC and kind of their mystique. Um, and then it's, so you really really don't know what's going to happen here. Florida State they uh, have a pretty young team. They had one of the youngest teams last year, so they return a lot of the players. Um, their quarterback was a freshman last year, Francois. He looked pretty good. Um, obviously, he's back. So it'll be real. This is, I mean, this is gonna be a great game, great game to watch. It's on. This is the night game. Um, it's the same day as Michigan versus Florida. So I'll be, uh, I'll be watching football all day that day. Obviously, um, can't wait to see what happens here. Winners. I mean, I think the winners definitely going to the playoff. Obviously, that doesn't. Lock, this doesn't won't lock their spot up. It's only one game. It'll be the first game of the year. They'll be a long way from home, but uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the, it's a huge step because it, it pretty much allows them. To lose a game Give in conference play, yeah, it gives yeah. them a lot of wiggle room. Whoever wins this, and probably the winner of this will probably be number one in the country um, the next week, especially if they're able to win it in uh, like a really, uh, really uh, solid way. Yeah, solid way. Convincing. You know, win it Convincing by a, a couple touchdowns or more. Yeah, um, winning it in a way that it wasn't like a fluke or anything. So it'll be interesting to see. It could really make one of these teams. Um, Look like the prohibited favorite, or make one of these teams look like a kind of a pretender if they get blown out. Mm. Uh, Alabama's had a history of blowing teams out week one that are supposed to be good. Last year they blew out um, USC, who uh, was supposed to be uh, a top ten team, and then USC ended up in they ended up in the top ten at the end of the year. But I mean they got blown out by Alabama. Uh, Michigan's got been blown out by Alabama in a season opener before. Uh, back when Brady Hoke was the coach, but we kind of lost everybody then, so can't give Alabama too much credit <laughs> for that. But um, yeah, Alabama loves these uh, early season games, and they love to just kill teams in these early season games. Although they kill teams pretty That's much like, every game. They the kill teams most games. Yeah, um, but yeah. So just touching on again why teams are doing this. Uh, when you schedule a week one game and you lose. You can kind of prove throughout the rest of the season why you do you still deserve to be in it. You can kind of say, "Oh, well, that was way back at the beginning of the season." People can we've, take the sting out of it. Yeah, and yeah. We, we we've uh, we've grown, we've you know improved, we've done this, we've done that. <clears throat> but if you lose at the end of the season, um, it can you can it's really hard to come back from that. You don't have a lot of games that you, to uh, prove what you're worth. You know, and if you lose in conference play, uh, that can hurt you not getting into your conference championship game. If you're not in that, you can't win the conference, and it's hard to move on to the playoff from there. So these early schedule, early season games are kind of no-lose situations for a lot of these teams. Um, if you lose, there's a lot of time to come back. It's not a conference game, so you can um, still win your conference, which puts you in a good spot for making the playoff. And if you win, then it's a big win you can look back at and point to when trying to get into a bowl game, trying to get into a playoff or anything like that. So that's kind of why you're going to see a lot of these which I love because week ones in the past have sometimes been pretty boring weeks where you'll see, you won't see any big teams go up against each other. Everybody's just trying to play the some you know crappy borderline D2 school, blow them out by 60 points and just kind of get on with it like it's a practice game. Um, but now we're going to see some, some power teams going up against each other, which is going to be great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, September 2nd is when Michigan and... Alabama play. Some of these other games are the day or two days before that, um, depending on each which game. But we're uh, we're getting closer here. Uh, not close enough, but I'm really looking forward to it. Slowly but surely. Amen.
All right. Is that all for today? Yep. Sounds good. All right. We'll um, see you Wednesday. See you Wednesday.